You are listening to Sustainability, Time to Change, a Tome podcast for lifelong learning. The UN estimates that around 54% of people live in urban areas and cities. And in some countries, including Germany, this number is closer to 80%. When we consider sustainable living, it is impossible to ignore the need to adapt our urban environments and a key element of which is mobility. How far we need to get to work, to do the weekly shop and access local amenities. So how can we design our urban spaces to allow for a more sustainable form of mobility? This is John Pye, and this is Sustainability, Time to Change. Joining us today, we have Elias Pajares, a researcher at the TUM Chair of Urban Structure and Transport Planning. His work focuses on the development of sustainable mobility concepts and of interactive accessibility instruments. He is also co-founder of Plan for Better, a startup that seeks to support urban planners and decision makers in their development of urban mobility. Elias was the initiator behind Plan for Better's key software offering, GOAT, a dynamic map-based analyst tool which enables an easier, better, and more open way of planning urban spaces. Elias, so good to have you with us this morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, John, for the opportunity to talk here to the audience. Uh, it's always a great pleasure to see how Tom is disseminating also um, our research. And yeah, looking forward to the talk with you. Thanks. I mean, just a, a first question to get us off and running, Elias. Uh, when you think of the history of cities, there's always been this sort of historical romance to the way that they've been built and the attraction they've had, whether it's industrialization in the 19th century or perhaps the more modern pull of the city lights that promises opportunity to, to a new generation. But I just wondered, what's, what's the impact of urban living? It's a very interesting view on the city. The most exciting thing maybe about cities is that we have them for a long time already, meaning that um, cities are part of our way of life and of, of our lifestyle. At the same time, we see that cities are somehow sinks in terms of resources. So usually cities cannot sustain themselves. They need materials such as oil, sand, at the same time also individuals, persons, that uh, then need to move to cities to live in there. It's a bit hard to say if living in cities is sustainable. We can see that, for instance, in the most developed countries, living in cities is to some extent more sustainable even than living, for instance, in suburban areas or the countryside, mostly due to the fact that uh, cities offer quite efficient way in moving. For instance, in cities we can use public transportation. This means that cities also provide us a certain urban structure that facilitates us uh, to move more sustainably. So it could be that we have a different picture in uh, the more developing countries. However, if talking about um, countries such as Germany, we see that living in cities can be, um, especially in the field of mobility, be significantly more sustainable. That's really interesting. Particularly, I think, when you refer to the historical aspect of it, there's maybe some quite entrenched issues there. But at the same time, there's quite a lot of potential and promise, like you say, particularly comparing to rural living when it comes to mobility. And maybe thinking as well about some of the measures being taken to try and make mobility more sustainable uh, or at least have a less of an impact 
uh, on, on the environment within urban spaces. Things like traffic ban for diesel cars, which you see in a number of cities, like you mentioned before, investment in public transport and infrastructure. Which, which of these has the most impact and where would you say improvements could be made? That's a very tricky question because, to be honest, usually that's not the measure to solve all our problems, but it's rather like a combination of measures that can help us to facilitate more sustainable moving within cities. At the same time, we have the concept of sticks and carrots. You might know it from other fields of sustainability that usually it's not sufficient to just provide alternatives, for instance, to the private car, but we should also look onto restrictions. And in, in the German context or the European context, for instance, we see that uh, measures such as parking management, congestion charge, or maybe also other more um, progressive forms of internalizing um, costs that we have, um, especially for private transportation, could be very efficient in making people move more sustainable. Of course, restrictions will not be sufficient. So we need major investment in more sustainable forms of mobility, such as public transportation, but we also need to provide the right urban structure to facilitate us to, for instance, um, have close amenities around, have schools, kindergartens, in accessible reach, in accessible um, distances, that uh, we can then uh, visit them either walking, cycling, or by public transportation. It's not only about emissions, but we should also look onto the well-being within cities, about the uh, quality of life, and there we see that especially modes of transport that allow you to physically move yourself, so walking, cycling, but maybe also other forms of active mobility that um, can really uh, be at the same time emission-free, but also help you making sure that you are physically active or also help you in visiting and meeting other people. It's really interesting that you frame it in that way, thinking about the, the solution to a problem in a, in a more holistic way, not just thinking about, okay, it's about reducing emissions, but at the same time, one can consider ways to improve quality of life. And I think that brings us quite neatly, Elias, to, to your research, which centres around accessibility planning and its use as a methodology to plan more sustainable way to move around cities. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your current projects, Elias, and, and also the startup that you founded. So the exciting thing about accessibility is that it's a methodology that tries to bring together urban planning and transport planning. So just to give an example, we are looking onto access, for instance, to schools by walking. We can measure how far you can go in 5, 10, or 15 minutes, how many uh, supermarkets you can visit, how many um, shops you can visit. And maybe thinking about this, you can understand that it's not only about a good transport infrastructure going there, but we also need to look onto how well the different amenities are distributed in space. So we can either improve, for instance, a cycleway to these points of interest or to these amenities, or we can also make sure that these amenities are better distributed um, are in, a, in an acceptable reach uh, to, uh, its re to the residents within a city. Th this is a concept and we are trying to operationalize this by a model, which um, by definition is an accessibility model. And one of these accessibility models that are currently uh, being developed um, is GOAT, which is a tool that we already developed for three years, uh, started at TUM. The focus of this application is that it should facilitate, especially planners and decision makers, visualize accessibility in a relatively easy user interface. So it's a 
uh, web-based uh, map that you can visit. It looks a bit like Google Maps, but in fact, it's it's a bit um, it's a, it's a bit wider, a bit wider context. So it is seen as a planning tool to, um, for instance, demonstrate which areas within a city lack in access to schools, to supermarkets, or many other amenities. At the same time, planners and decision makers can introduce measures. So, for instance, a new pedestrian bridge into this application and can assess its effects on accessibility. The nice thing about accessibility is that it got a major push with new planning paradigms such as the 15-minute city. Maybe some, of the some people in the audience have heard of the 15-minute city, which is a concept having uh, neighborhoods where you have um, all your uh, daily needs in an acceptable reach uh, by walking, cycling or by public transportation. That's really interesting. Elias, and, and thank you for, for the extra detail as well, both on the core methodology, the way you're trying to translate that into an analysis tool. Um, but it's also really interesting as well, this sort of key link to this concept of the 15-minute city. You've got this tool for urban planners and decision makers, but is this concept of the 15-minute city already in their minds? Is this something that you feel is becoming more of a standard for city planners in their considerations of improving uh, city life? Yeah, maybe one thing that needs to be mentioned is that uh, the concept, in, in fact, it's not a new concept, but um, we have a new term, which we see more and more now um, being in, uh, used in, in the practice. Uh, but for instance, in Germany, we have for years the concept of Stadterkutzenwege, which, basi which basically means city of short distances. So it's a kind of um, concept that especially urban planners were stressing out now for decades already. However, um, with this uh, new term of the 15-minute city, I also personally think it's a much more catchier way. And it's also something that you can kind of understand better also as individual what this could potentially mean. However, at the same time, we should also make sh sure that um, this term is not misused because this doesn't mean that you should not move out of your neighborhood. Obviously, this is not something that we would like to, to have, but it is rather something that we should see as an offer to the citizens. Why city planning should make sure that you have your basic services within an, this acceptable reach. However, this doesn't mean that you cannot visit your friends that might live in another neighborhood. Uh, and in an ideal world, you would maybe then do this by public transportation. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And you almost took the next question uh, straight from my mind, Elias, which is, is the implementation of a 15-minute city the implementation of a world in which everyone stays within these quite confined spaces, which, from experience this year, quite a lot of people have, have definitely struggled with, you know, that you walk the same walk every day or you see the same shop and the same uh, people every single day. But that's a really great point that you raised, that this isn't about restricting people in a sense but it's about freeing them up it's given them the possibility to access these amenities in a local way maybe if i can just come to the tool itself goat um and i have to say i love i love the name of it all the talk of carrot and sticks and goats seems to fit quite nicely uh, together and i played around on the software myself and it's just as you say it feels a lot like being on google maps but kind of on steroids it's got lots of extra information and the data it's super interesting. And I think my first question to you would be, where do you get this data from? What's the sources that you use that you then integrate into the interface? 
Yeah, thanks for this technical question. Of course, also like very much technical questions. Maybe to start with the, with the, the acronym GOAT stands actually for Geo Open Accessibility Tool, um, which kind of has these different aspects that we would like to uh, push for, to have something accessible, to have an instrument, and also to have a concept that is open enough. And this is also linked with the data and our general uh, concept of how we develop the tool. So the application is an open source project that we as uh, TUM started to develop. And we're now taking it forward also in the startup uh, plan for better, where we try to bring this as software as a service to municipalities and cities across the globe. And concerning the data, we use a wide array of data. We usually use spatial data, so every data that has some sort of uh, coordinates where we can locate this uh, location in space. There's, for instance, a very extensive database called OpenStreetMap, which is a crowdsourced um, geospatial data set that is collected by individuals uh, in their free time mostly. And uh, for instance, they, they map their, the shops that are within a city, they draw streets. This is one of our main data sources. At the same time, we also use uh, public data, so data that is either provided by the cities or by state authorities or federal authorities. And the nice thing about this whole data-driven um, approach is that we see this um, being more and more also uh, widened. And we see also more and more data that is actually published by cities and also published by state authorities, which is really widening our scope of analysis. That's fantastic. To be an urban planner, I would definitely need some more training and particularly on the tool to get the more sophisticated sides of it. But I was quite enjoying, in a quite intuitive way, just tapping around the map and, like you say, looking at the different elements, whether it's amenities, whether it's things about street lighting, whether it's also about if there's good cycle paths available and how they've been rated. There was even detail there about traffic accidents and the regularity of them at certain junctions. And it was very, very interesting then to pull it all together into this one space. And I couldn't help but think as well that it does definitely have this very logical use to help urban planners, but is there also scope for this to be used for private persons? Yeah, in fact, that's, that's a very nice um, uh, view on it, to also view on uh, citizens and to view on the benefit that, that such an application could also give to the public, to the wider public. Actually, what we see is that there are some similar applications that, for instance, assess neighborhoods in terms of the walkability, so how good um, you have access to certain amenities, similar to GOAT. And they, in parts, also focus on individuals. So there's uh, an application called WalkScore. They, for instance, also show how walkable are certain neighborhoods, and they try to link this with um, real estate um, searches from, uh, from persons that might look for a new housing, that might look for a new job opportunity, and would eventually be interested in how uh, walkable their surroundings are. So definitely I see um, also the chance to use um, specifically GOAT for such purposes. Uh, however, at the same time, we need to mention that then we might need to change some of its characteristics, because although GOAT is relatively easy to use compared to other planning software, which usually requires you to do maybe years of training, still uh, it has a certain learning curve that you need to take. Currently, we are mostly focusing on the planning aspect because this is also where we as a team are rooted in. However, it would be very interesting to see um, 
uh, how um, we could uh, expand on this and for which purposes we could also use um, the same data and the same analysis. Brilliant. Which is the best or where is the best 15-minute city in Munich? Well, first of all, we need to acknowledge that Munich is not doing a, a bad job. So, in fact, um, Munich, such as many other um, German cities, are relatively compact, uh, meaning that we also have a relatively high uh, density in terms of population. And that this also leads to the fact that we have a relatively good uh, infrastructure for, for, for social amenities or for grocery shopping. But, of course, there are neighborhoods that are... Um, more accessible than others. And uh, I could now, for instance, think about a neighborhood that I personally like a lot in, in the east of Munich, which is um, Altperlach. There's a square called Pfanzelplatz. Uh, it was originally a village, um, so it was not part of Munich uh, before, but of course Munich expanded over the last centuries and it kind of absorbed, no, uh, absorbed uh, Altperlach and Pfanzelplatz uh, however, it still has a very uh, nice structure because it pretty much looks like a village. Uh, so you still have the church, you have some nice restaurants, you have some nice uh, grocery shops. And I feel that people really like walking there. So you see people struggling around and um, meeting others, um, having a cup of coffee outside. Of course, you also see this in the city center, although like the city center maybe is a very special situation usually. And it's also at the same time very crowded. So uh, talking about maybe posi very positive examples uh, in Munich, uh, I really like to mention some that are a bit more outside of the core. And this is definitely one that I like. And I think also in gold, this place has a quite good accessibility. Fantastic. That's great. I'll have to check it out. That sounds really lovely. It reminds me a little bit of yeah, a, a place in London called Putney, which was the same. And I think you're right. It's maybe a common trend amongst urban spaces that as they grow, they swallow up what used to be villages or suburban areas into, into the mass of the city. Which also leads me to another question. If the dream of the 15-minute city is realized, is it, is it a return to village living in a sense where we say we need smaller communities that have a certain sustainability within them in the sense that you can have everything in that space? Is, is this not the end, but almost a back-to-the-future evolution of cities to become a patchwork of small villages? That's a very interesting thought. And, and in fact, I would answer with yes and no, because, of course, it would be desirable if we have our amenities in, in, an, in an acceptable reach and if we would have this um, community also, this community thinking a bit uh, strengthened, um, in cities such as Munich, we see that a lot of people, in fact, are very alone. They live in alone in their own flats. They eventually very often feel lonely. So I think strengthening this community thinking and this traditional village thinking isn't uh, a bad idea. At the same time, I think we cannot just return to what we had before. We are also very connected. So we are connected in a digital way. Everybody of us know this, also now during this pandemic. And, but we also connect it uh, with uh, other forms of transportation, public transport. We can take a high-speed rail to Berlin in four hours, or we can take a plane and fly somewhere else. So all of these uh, opportunities uh, we still see uh, also, and I think it, it will also be hard to really make the people be restricted to the village. And I also don't think that we as transport and urban planners should go into this direction. Uh, so I see it rather as uh, maybe 
a couple of centers that are connected with other forms of sustainable mobility, such as public transport. But within these communities, as you mentioned, we might have a sort of, uh, of village feeling where people are walking, cycling, enjoying also the high um, quality of life within these communities. So perhaps then we can just quickly pursue what is the next steps for Plan for Better and, and for GOAT? What's, what's the outlook like for this year in terms of perhaps local authorities that you might want to work with or developing the tool further? Yeah, we were actually in a very nice position because we started developing this together with municipalities uh, here in the Munich region, namely the city of Munich, city of Rising and Fürstenfeldbruck. At the same time, we were also already using this application mostly for testing purposes in other municipalities such as Bogota in Colombia and very recently now in San Pedro in Mexico in the Monterrey region meaning that um, we already have the tool somehow in use, although still in a test use in these municipalities. And we are now looking forward, uh, being a startup, to also find customers that actually are so interested in the tool that they were also willing uh, to invest in such an application. And this being said, um, we offer this as a service already to municipalities. So if they reach us out, hey, nice analysis, we would like to use this also for our own planning purposes, then this is something that we can offer. At the same time, we're also working on further um, um, improvements of the application. So for instance, we would love to extend it to public transportation. We would love to extend also other indicators, improve also the data quality within the application, and also scale it more, uh, uh, for instance, to, to other German municipalities. We kind of follow two paths. One is like, improving the, the, the tool still, uh, adding new features, but also already uh, bring the working features that are already ready to be implemented in cities uh, to the market. And this, this all, all of this we, we really try to do in a very close cooperation with TUM, because it's also where we are rooted at the chair of urban structure and transport planning, and um, we see this as a win-win for both research and also um, the, the planning practice. I mean, that's really exciting and definitely the, the range of the impact you're having, I think, is already very impressive uh, considering how early you are in the stage of, of the startup, you know, already uh, with test applications in, in Bogota. Uh, it's brilliant. So I suppose that brings me to sort of final question, Elias, would be if our listeners were, were keen to find out more about urban mobility planning, if they wanted to try out GOAT uh, and be urban planners themselves, or indeed they were just keen to find out a little bit more on, on the topic, where could they go? Well, I can definitely suggest our website, uh, so planforbetter.de. There you can try the tool for uh, already uh, five cities, and you can experiment a bit with, uh, with it. And at the same time, of course, there are a lot of other sources that are very exciting uh, in terms of sustainable mobility and also accessibility. I can heavily uh, suggest uh, to uh, check uh, some LinkedIn uh, channels uh, such as uh, the channel on accessibility planning also from TUM that we frequently also post uh, different aspects of mobility research but there are also um, other podcasts that you could listen for instance this one <laughs> where you could um, uh, get more insights uh, both from sustainability but eventually also more from mobility. Fantastic. Funny you mentioned podcasts as well, Elias, not just this one, but of course you recorded one quite recently in Baden-Württemberg, which is in German. So any German listeners who are keen to get a slightly more in-depth insight as well uh, could head over there. And um, we'll link that podcast plus all the other resources you mentioned uh, in, in our program notes 
so our listeners can get easy access uh, to those. Then from my side, Elias, thank you so much indeed for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. Wishing you all the very best uh, for Plan for Better in the coming months and years. And it would be great if we could touch base at some point just to see where GOAT is up to, what cities have taken steps to bring around this 15-minute city reality uh, within their own urban spaces and hopefully to see where urban mobility has got to. Wonderful. Thanks a lot, John, for this opportunity. And yeah, all the best. a tune podcast for lifelong learning sustainability time to change if you want to find out more on the topic subscribe to the series and check our program notes for further resources